Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're giving you everything that matters most from each game in the Sunday slate of Week 7 in the NFL. We're going down up and down the schedules beyond just the box score, the final scores. We're going into the player performances. We're going into what we can actually take away from these things going out through the rest of the season, whether it is towards the NFL draft or towards the playoffs and everything in between. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That's Connor Rogers coming to you on a beautiful Monday morning, bright and early, to talk about what matters most. From week seven in the NFL, we're going back to all the games that we saw on Sunday, and we are giving you our top takeaways. Connor, we're recording this podcast a little bit later in the evening, full transparency, because your Jets didn't have a one o'clock game. They put them in the 4, 4 p.m. slot, and they came away with the dub. So you got to be feeling good. That's right. Four game win streak for the first time since 2015. The Jets are 4 0 on the road. They are 5 2, and their win total for the season by most sports books was 5.5. So, wow. I, I, you know, we'll get to the Jets game. Obviously, there's some really tough news in that one as well. But yeah, it was a good, uh, good pre and post game. Always good when you have a fun post game. And like you said, you and I are, we're going to be recording maybe nearly into the morning at this point and, yeah. and we might we might get to end this show we easily we'll get to end this show with our sunday night football thoughts which does not happen often i know so that game's that game's halfway over at this point so we'll, yeah. we'll at least get a little bit of thoughts as we kind of have the game on uh in the background while we're doing this podcast here where do you want to start then uh, obviously you said that we would eventually get to the jets we can start with the jets if you want or if there is another game that you really want to get to i want to start with the packers okay sure let's start with the packers packers Washington Commanders Packers 21 Washington Commanders 23 both teams now three and four on the season and super high hopes for the Packers I had them winning double digit games this season don't look like it's happening man um and Rodgers didn't have a turnover in this one but holy cow they couldn't get the run game going felt like there was just nobody nowhere they could turn they were up I think 14 to 3 early in this game Connor and then it just couldn't hold on to the lead, couldn't hold on to the ball. Like the offensive drives just started to sputter up until basically it was too late and Washington was already back in the game. They didn't even have Carson Wentz in this one. They were starting to have the Heineke. So I'm curious, this is the first game that you brought to the docket. What do you want to talk about? What mattered most from this game? I mean, the obvious is just that Green Bay's lost to the Giants, Jets, and Commanders in three consecutive games. Hey, don't say the Jets like that. Come and on. Don't say the Giants like that. To round out the point, all three of these teams didn't ask for a ton from their quarterbacks in those games and i i know daniel jones has played well this year um you know obviously heineke coming in on a whim like this and, and you know being thrusted back into a starting role he was he was fine today and uh zach wilson you know didn't make any game-breaking mistakes against them but they are not getting into these wild shootouts through the air it's that's not the problem with the Packers the problem right. with the Packers is they just they struggle across the board physically in terms of how physical of a football team they are the fact that yeah Aaron Rodgers is not exactly lighting it up you know if Romeo Dobbs with a goose egg in this game on four targets when you know and obviously Christian Watson being hurt this year I, what matters most to me in this game just 
I know a lot of Packers fans, maybe not anymore, but at the time get really mad about harping on this. The Packers failed this offseason. And it's just now you've seen it for weeks. They, besides the offensive line injuries, which are technically out of their hands, they didn't do a good job at wide receiver. They drafted a linebacker in the first round that looks lost. I'm sorry. Just he doesn't he doesn't look good and maybe that'll change, but I didn't understand that pick from a, a needs standpoint. And if you're going to make that pick, you you better get some serious impact right away. And I haven't seen that as well. I, I just think all of this resulting on the field with Green Bay right now is the result of a failure of an offseason. Let me just say it like that. And I know this is harsh. And I know I get, I think I'm really harsh a lot on this pod. And I don't mean to be. But when you're talking about what matters most, Green Bay is three and four in a year where everybody thought they'd win 12 to 13 games. Yeah. And I just go back and think that this starts from the, the not just the pro market, but the draft as well, that it should, I don't know. I, I feel foolish that I'm, I'm so floored by this when so many of us were critical of it anyway in the offseason, and now here we are. Yeah, I think my one thing that matters most kind of ties a little bit into that, and that's just the type of offensive failures that that Green Bay has. We've talked in weeks past about what matters most with Green Bay, and um, and it's their defense, right? Their defense not really showing up, too soft against the run, having a lot of coverage busts in a couple of different weeks as well. So the defense has definitely been... I would for say how hot, talented it is. I, right, I would say hot and cold, but I don't even. There haven't even been that many hot moments. Like this, this defense is just not playing the way that they need to. Offense certainly hasn't either, but there have been excuses for that. Like, oh, you know, the wide receiver room isn't what exactly what it's needed to be. Man, like today was just a total failure. Failure all around. Yes, they got off to that fourteen to three lead, but Connor, I'm, I'm looking at some of the stats that we've got in PFF Ultimate here. Rodgers' average depth of target in this game was 5.8, okay? I'm looking at the offensive line grade, and actually the tackles didn't do too bad. Zach Tom was starting at left tackle for David Bakhtiari, who was not playing in this game. Yash Nyman was was the right tackle in this one. They kicked Elkton Jenkins inside. Elkton Jenkins, actually the lowest-graded defender that we had, which I'm kind of shocked about, although it's his first time being on the interior in a while. Five times it says he was beaten by defenders. Damn, that's not great. But the tackles were okay. And so I'm like, all right, so then what What happened? Rodgers getting the ball out of his hands incredibly quick. Connor, the Packers were 0-7 on third or fourth downs. And worse than that, worse than a conversion rate of zero, is the plays that were called and how they approached all of those. Throughout the game, they had a third and three a third and two a third and four and a fourth and one okay very manageable none of those were run plays yeah none of them this is a team that has aaron jones and aj Dillon. like you you can you know the wide receivers the young wide receivers that you have in this room are unreliable they are going to be boomer bust for you the running backs you can normally count on especially on a fourth and one situation why do you have aj Dillon on the team if you're not giving him the ball on fourth and one why is he wasting a roster spot for you third and three third and two sometimes I look at those situations and i go okay you know you got a quarterback like aaron Rodgers. you don't want to take the ball out of his hands on a crucial down down in distance okay fine you can keep the ball in his hands you could pass the ball but clearly that stuff was not working and you've got a lot of talent in the running back room, at least out of the backfield. Something, man. Third and three, third and two, third and four, fourth and one. None of them are run plays. 
And the way that it ties into what you were talking about going back to the offseason is I think Rodgers genuinely did contemplate retirement. I really think that he did. And I think that something that was coercing him back to the Packers was, of course, the $50 million per year contract that he signed, but also that this is what he wanted. Like, he wanted this kind of control in the offense. He wanted the ball to be in his hands. That is where the offense goes. And, look, I'm an outsider. I can't I can't pretend to cover the Packers in and out like some of you out there might do from, from certain beer reporters. But it feels like this is what Rodgers wanted. He has now gotten it, and it is failing miserably with the current wide receivers that he had. No Devontae Adams means that this strategy of putting the ball in Rodgers' hands in these situations are not to your advantage. Instead, you are making you are making the wrong decisions. You're not putting the ball where it needs to go. And the Packers, dude, are an absolute mess. They're three and four, but my God, I don't have any faith in this offense. I don't have any faith in this defense. So this team better look a whole lot different if they – want to even be a playoff team at this point because for as much as we want to sit here and say oh they're barely below 500 it's the Packers they'll make the playoffs uh you got teams in the NFC West that are have a lot better record than we thought they were going to Seahawks is mainly who I'm talking about you got teams in the NFC East that have a lot better of a record than I thought they were going to mainly the New York Giants which are sitting there at six and one they are running out of time to be a team that you could just pencil in for a playoff spot. I'm serious. So especially looking at how they played, man, that's my one takeaway is that they're just, they are a mess and it's that offensive execution where they're putting the ball in crucial situations that I think is the biggest area of concern. No doubt. Uh, Did you have anything on the commander side or do you kind of want to see more from this team, you know, under Heineke? No, I mean, Heineke kind of is, kind of kind of is what he is at this point. He's an absolute gunslinger, but he's going to have like, this dude's going to have full confidence and faith. Scary in Terry looks like he's having fun out there. Of course, because he's just chucking him the ball, yeah, man. That works. You know, Carson Wentz was a little bit too, but they're getting back to Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin uh, tied for the league in, in tied for the lead on the team in targets today with eight. Let him in uh, catches and um, in receiving yards today. So, look, I'm sure that Terry's happy. Taylor Heineke's absolutely going to go to him all the time. But this Washington team wasn't really serious with Carson Wentz as a contender um, for as much as they are doing things well they're still not a contender if you ask me so that's yeah, yeah no, we can I'm, move on we can move on yeah absolutely um okay cool so packers commanders uh, another stunning loss for green bay good for the commanders keeping their season afloat there they are now three and four just like green bay where do you want to go next from here uh in this slot can we talk about the Bengals? hell yeah Bengals 35, Atlanta Falcons 17. So where from where my apartment currently is in wonderful, beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, I am a stone's throw, not exactly, but just to give you guys a picture, away from where the stadium is. I can hear the roars from the stadium whenever the Bengals do something well, and I heard a lot of roars today. This Cincinnati Bengals team today reminded you that the team that made that playoff run last year is still there. It was a slow start, and I do think that a decent amount of that can be blamed on the fact that they weren't playing a lot of their starters, specifically Joe Burrow, in the preseason at all. And it's like week one was his first juice of the regular season of football at full speed in a while. But holy cow, they were impressive today. 481 passing yards for Joe Burrow, over 300 passing yards in the first half. He had three big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays, 
85 and a half adjusted completion percentage. The man could not miss almost all three of their wide receivers. Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd all had three 100-yard games. The only one who didn't was T. Higgins, and he had 97. The other guys were over 100. So they almost had all three of their weapons over 100 yards receiving, and that's the identity. And we, we like to complain about Zach Taylor and how much he leans on the run game, and I think in the early parts of the season, he was trying to stay way too balanced when the Stars – we're clearly on the passing side of the football, like pa- like passing on the offense. That's where they needed to go with it. Today was, I think, a fantastic look at what happens when the Cincinnati Bengals are, of course, executing things well, but also when they are distributing the ball in the areas which their stars get it. The most impactful players touch the ball the most. And I think as long as Cincinnati has that kind of identity, Lou Anarumo on the other side, the defensive coordinator there, is going to have that unit playing well. Defense is up and down anyways, but they do have the ability to be a really great unit. That's the Bengals team that can make the playoffs. That's the Bengals team that can make a playoff run. We saw glimpses of that again today, and I loved seeing it because I was worried that we weren't going to see it really at all this year. I was worried that 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 whole playoff run last year was, I don't want to say a fluke because like they did it, but it was the momentum, right? It was just the momentum at the end of the year that really propelled them. Right, and I wondered if they were going to be able to get that hot again, specifically the way that Zach Taylor likes to say balance on offense. We saw it today. That still lives here in 2022. Bengals are still a legit playoff team for the AFC. I'm with you. I, I think what matters most is, and this is something I talk about a lot in the first month of this show of the season, is that we possibly or, or you know, everybody overreacted to their start, not realizing that Joe Burrow missing all that time over the summer and not being able to practice, that there would be rust there. And now that a lot of live action has been played here in October – They've seemed to found it, find it the last couple of weeks on offense, while the defense has absolutely been a very cohesive unit. I mean, this tweet from Warren Sharp, uh, points allowed by the Bengals defense in the last 15 third quarters. I mean, that's a that's a key quarter. How you come out of the half and handle adjustments, not only the adjustments you are making, but the adjustments you are seeing. They've allowed 22 total points in their last 15 games in the third quarter. They, they pretty much pitch a shutout every third quarter. And that allows this offense to play the exact brand of football they want to and need to. By getting the ball back to them all the time, they can really put your foot on the throat with their pass-happy attack. That Pick your poison. I, I mean, Tyler Boyd, 155 yards today. Jamar Chase, 130 yards today. T. Higgins, 93 yards today. And then Hayden Hurst chips in 48. Right. They are a light it up through the air, keep your foot on the gas. And just because they had some rust in the beginning of the season across the board, especially when their quarterback couldn't do a lot this summer, I think now when you see all that rust shaking off, the Bengals are scary. The Bengals are very scary again because the Bengals can score with anybody in the NFL. They have a quarterback that when he's hot and when he's in rhythm, he's as good as anybody in the NFL. And he has the best skill talent most of the time in the NFL at wide receiver. So that's what matters most to me is that the Bengals have found it again when they needed to. And we're going to talk about this division a lot today on this show, obviously, but they have now reimmersed themselves or put themselves in the driver's seat again to run away, not run away with the division, but control their own destiny in this division. Yeah. Not run away. Cause when, when we do talk yeah. about the Ravens, I'll, I'll, I'll obviously reference that too, but look, I, I tweeted earlier on, on Sunday, 
he was like in the third quarter of the Bengals game. And I was basically like, Bengals probably could have beaten anybody in the NFL today. Like I you, thought, I think so. If you would have lined the Bengals up against the Chiefs, hell, even the Bills, maybe the Eagles. Like, I think the Bengals might have bested all three of those teams because of how well they were playing. And of course, I had some people respond and be like, yo, they're playing the Falcons and the Falcons are beat up. It's like, oh, okay, that must take away the pinpoint accuracy from Joe Burrow. That must take away the crazy one-handed one catch from, from Tyler Boyd. That takes away the crazy yards after catch and broken tackle ability from Jamar Chase. Uh, no, it doesn't. They were, play, they were going to play well today, no matter who they were going up against. Yes, of course, if the teams changed, the matches would have changed, but that team was so motivated. They were so on point. I love the game plan that they had, and they gave up 17 points to the Falcons, but you got to remember this quarter. All in the second quarter. All in the second quarter. And Demir Bird had a 75-yard bomb touchdown catch. So if you take if you take that away, even if you just even if you just cut that in half, like even if you just say, like, okay, that's not a touchdown, it's just like a like a big first down. Mariota probably wouldn't have even passed for a hundred yards today. He, he wouldn't have. He had 124 passing yards. He had 124 and 75 of them went to Demir Bird on that one pass. 13 attempts. It's pretty crazy. He, he's just he's just not throwing. And this is a game where, you know, they went to the half down 28-17. And he's not throwing. I, we should do a Falcons what matters most. And Atlanta's been really feisty this year. And mm-hmm. I, I tip my cap to them because I, I think their roster has a lot of work left to do that they know internally. Yeah, of course. But I just I know it's still early-ish. At what point, Trevor... Do you try to see something else with Desmond Ritter? Because oh, sure, you are going to enter a offseason where you got to know something about him. He started mm-hmm. for four years in college, so you can't sit here and go, "Wow, oh, we guys have played a lot of ball. We can't put him in yet." I just no, this team yeah. is, a has point. a good run game. I mean, Trevor Drake London had one catch for nine yards today. Kyle Pitts had three catches for nine yards today. That's the thing. That that's the thing to me. I I, I talked about this on the show last week, I believe where I actually liked the game plan with getting Marcus Mariota more involved on the ground. It was like, Mm -hmm. clearly the Falcons are going to be a rushing football team. That is what they're going to be. Whether it doesn't matter how many targets Kyle Pitts gets or Drake London gets like they're going to, they're going to be a rushing football team this year. So with that being the case, I was like, okay, get Marcus Mariota's legs involved, get him involved in the rush game. That's probably your best blueprint. Kyle Pitts can't have nine yards and three on three catches. Dude, like, that's fullback numbers. You're down the uh, whole like- game. They were down the whole game. And Kyle Pitts ended the game with three catches for nine yards. For as much as I like Mariota and what he could be as a potential extra threat in the run game for this team's identity, you've got to try out a quarterback who might give you more than that. You, re- you really have to. So I think that we're, we're getting to that point. We're getting to that point with the Falcons. So I, I agree. That is it. That is it. My one big takeaway would have been Kyle Pitts having less than 10 yards receiving in a game in which the Falcons were down the entire time. Yeah. Can't be. Can't be. Yeah, that's, it's problematic. And Can't this be. regime drafted him. So you, you just expect more there. Okay. Uh, let's transition here. Let's stay in the North then, because we did the Bengals conversation. So this is a good time to go to Browns, Ravens. Okay. All right. Ravens, and Ravens win the game 23-20. I want to make yep. sure we say the final score. On the uh, field goal attempt to end this game, essentially, which was... This was a thriller. Uh, this was absolutely a thriller. I'll start with the Baltimore side of things. Okay. 
what matters most to Baltimore, and this is what happens when you have a a long tenured veteran head coach that's coached a lot of big games. Baltimore has kind of mastered the find a way to win aspect of football. Like this is a game where Lamar Jackson went nine of 16 for 120 yards and ran for under 60. So it's not like Lamar had his wild rushing day. He had some nice runs, but he didn't go nuts. They've, they've just kind of mastered this. We find ways to close out games, but more importantly to me, is the Browns, and and this is kind of harsh, but I really think they needed this one. I really do. I I think this kind of takes the Browns out of this division. Uh, uh, Maybe if the AFC just really stinks it up down the stretch, they're on one of those extra playoff spots. But Trevor, they have the Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, and Bucks. And we'll get to the Bucks, but I mean, the Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, and Bucks, when you're sitting here, two and five it's getting scary territory for the browns and i think the expectations when watson got the suspension maybe were low for the browns but i don't know if they felt that way internally and there was also this like the start of the season where you look at them and go maybe jacoby can keep them afloat and the way nick chubb is running the ball can keep them afloat cream hunt's a non-factor almost in this offense now by the way i mean he had one catch for four yards Five rushes for four uh, for four yards. I wonder if he's a name that gets moved in the next week. But I think what matters most to the Browns is that I, I I'm calling their season over in terms of trying to win this division. Yeah, they're getting they're getting pretty far behind the eight ball wins and losses wise. Well, dude, you the know, Bengals look awesome, and you know the Ravens are just a nuisance that will never go away. Right. So you, you know, know you can't I, afford these kinds of losses. Right. The Ravens are always going to be there as we speak. Uh, the Steelers are only down six to the Dolphins, so who knows? They impressive. Could, they could they could pull that off as well. I didn't get to see a ton of this game. I really didn't. It felt like again a little bit more of the greg roman does not seem to be calling the right plays at the right time like it when when the run game's working it's like he'll he'll throw a pass in there or throw multiple passes in there and it'll kind of like derail the momentum that they've got going on and i feel like that's been a vice versa so i feel like this entire early part of the season has been raven's offense still trying to figure it out like they're asking lamar to do a ton of things and a lot of times he can deliver but i still feel like the chemistry and the the just recognizing the flow of the game could be a little bit better. That's just from what I was able to watch today, but I'll kind of say on the flip side, you know, for as much as the Ravens, we think that they've been struggling lately or just haven't been as dominant as we've wanted them to be lately. Four and three now and their schedule, they play the bucks this upcoming Thursday night, which is just an automatic. Oh boy. Well, we're going there next. They play then the Saints the next week, and it's in New Orleans, so who knows? I think New Orleans is a really tough place to play. I have a lot of respect for that. So I think that's kind of a toss-up. But then they host the Panthers at home. They travel to Jacksonville for the Jags. Then they host the Broncos. Then they go to the Steelers before they play the Browns again in mid-December. Then they, play, games. then they play the Falcons again, Steelers again, and then they don't play the Bengals again until the very end of the season. This is a team where I, I, I like where the Bengals is going, where the Bengals are going. I like the momentum that they have on their team, but I think this is going to be a very close matchup back and forth between the Bengals and Ravens of who is going to win this division. So my big takeaway is that Ravens still very well in it. They needed this win. They needed to get back above 500. The Bengals are now getting to where they're, they're getting hot this season. This is going to be a tight race in the AFC North for the division title there. So um, it was good for them to get this win. Although they need to, I think still on offense need to, uh, 
need to show that they've got a little bit more rhythm there. Hey, shout out to the old dudes, the old heads on the Raiders or the Ravens defensive line. Calais Campbell had a big strip sack today. Uh, Justin Houston had two sacks. Dude. Jason Pierre Paul's doing stuff. Things like they, from 10 years ago. Bro, they just got the fountain of youth in there. It's amazing. It's so it, big, big shout That out. was really cool. The Mark Andrews uh, toss play to Lamar was really freaking mm. cool. Probably the coolest thing I saw this week in terms of plays because it, it obviously worked. Mark Andrews not having a catch in this game just kind of goes back to my point that the Ravens just— Mark Andrews didn't have a catch? Did not have a catch. Target share, I think, was down to his lowest of the year, around 12%. Whoa. Yeah, really—it's a really weird—this was a really weird game. This was a really weird game. I see that now. Wow. Okay. You want to you wanna talk about a weird game? Trevor, how the hell did the Bucks lose to the Panthers 21-3? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, wait, I, full transparency, when about halfway through the third quarter, I got on the desk for Jets pregame, and I was keeping an eye on this game specific, this and the Giants game from my phone. Um, the Giants game turned into a bit of a thriller, so I transitioned to watch more of that. But I, I just need to ask you, before we even touch the offense, what is going on with the Bucks' defense right now? So, like, how does Deont- Deontay Foreman... Go for 15 and 118. Uh, Devin White. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's, that matters a lot. Two, two of his, two of his biggest runs in that game came from Devin White overcommitting. Uh, and then on the play, trying to correct his overcommitment the previous play by overcommitting again and then mm-hmm. getting out. Uh, Aki Kwanu, I mean, just absolutely bullied the crap out of him for Foreman's wow. long run. And then Dwight still had an opportunity to bring Foreman down and couldn't do it. Then on the very next, Actually, was it the very next play? It was either the very next play or the one after that. The next running play that they had, which Chuba Hubbard scored on, White then completely over-pursued because he was trying to make up for the play previously and got sealed off by the block, and it was the easiest rushing touchdown of, of Chuba Hubbard's life. The, dude, the, uh, the, team's, the team's awful. This is, this is one of the worst teams in the NFL right now, no question about it. And I absolutely believe that the Buccaneers are the team in the NFL that is doing the least with the most. These coaches, I mean, it is completely out of control now. This is back-to-back games in which they have been almost double-digit favorites, more than a touchdown favorite. I think they were 9.5 against uh, the Steelers. Went up to 13. 13.5 today against, today against the Panthers. Because Walker and, was announced as a starter. Right, yeah, P.J. Walker starting a quarterback. They just fired their head coach two weeks ago. Like they just they just traded their best offensive talent, and they boat raced the Buccaneers. Boat raced them. This game was the closest this game ever was. Connor was when Mike Evans bobbled the wide open bomb that would have been a sixty yard touchdown. And the the the, the, the what matters most about this game is what Mike Evans said after the game. That is what matters most. Mike Evans, this was the, this. I don't know if you saw the replay. Did you see the replay of, of Evans bobbling it when he should have scored the touchdown? I was watching the game. Brady hit, him, Brady, Brady hit him wide open, right on the money, extended his hands, ball goes off his hands, then it goes off his shoulders, then it goes too yep. far in front of him. That's just, that was the third play of the game. Evans says after the game, no one play loses it for you. But I could feel all the energy get sucked out from everybody when I dropped that pass. It's very telling. And and he, he basically said, like, w- we couldn't recover after that. 
you couldn't recover after dropping a pass. You're saying the whole team couldn't because it was, I mean, he's not wrong. The team looked awful. Leonard Fournette looked terrible. The blocking looked terrible. Luke Gedeke is the worst starting offensive lineman in the NFL right now. And they keep trotting him out of left guard because I don't know if they have better options. Chris Godwin was dropping passes. There's no explosiveness anywhere. Brady's completely frustrated. That entire defense was playing like zombies. You're, how is this team this unmotivated? How is this team this undisciplined? It is unbelievable. The play calling is bad. The preparation is bad. The, dis- the discipline is bad. The focus is bad. They have no drive. And all of the talent on that, on that roster doesn't mean absolute shit because of everything else that they are that is going on around them with how they are going into each game. It's, dude... I did not think that Arian stepping aside would make this big of a deal. It's pretty I, it's not. pretty wild. And it is nuts how little focus this team has. And, and the surrendering punts that Bowles Okay, oh, so dude, it was brutal today. When Bowles coached brutal. the Jets. There was a lot of uh after he got let go and and Todd was you know, I really rooted for Todd when he was here, and and Todd was uh, Todd is such a, a nice guy and easy to root for guy. And something I told a lot of people because they would always ask me like, "Do you think Bulls got you know a raw deal with the Jets? They didn't draft a lot of talent." And I was like, that, "That's absolutely part of it." But as an in-game coach, he had such significant strides he needed to make. This is what I said when he gets a second chance because mm-hmm. he's so far and away and over his head in game moments where. I had to like go back and look at this. I remember there was a time where the Jets, I think, were down two scores, under seven minutes left. They're not on like pinned in their own 30. They're in like midfield. And he punted. And that was a theme with Bowles where it's it's so nonchalant of why not just go like try to win and have a little bit more urgency. And when I watched the Bucks. Not to put this on Todd Bowles, because this isn't this is all Todd Bowles' fault. It's insane. That's not the take. But when I watch the Bucks, they have taken on that whole theme. They the team lacks urgency that That's, I've yeah. never seen from a Tom Brady team in my life. Right. I've never right. seen it in my life. Right. I don't look, I don't think that you have to be a super outgoing rah-rah head coach. I really don't. No, some no, of, some no. of the best in the NFL aren't like that. But Todd Todd Bowles is a well. Belichick will get fired up about some stuff. Todd Bowles is ex- really soft spoken, especially when he's in the media. You know, I I haven't been in the locker room as a player to see him, but like he is a super soft spoken guy. The team looks like they have no fire. The the team looks like they have no passion, like they have no pride at all whatsoever. It wasn't the case under Arians, and Arians, as we know, fiery dude. And I don't, I don't say this is an insult, but like big mouth on him, like he like speaks his mind, bold, brash, po- prideful, passionate, all that. Those were things that Bruce Arians was. And guess what? The Buccaneers were at their best. They were that. They had those characteristics. I'm not going to sit here and blame it on Bulls because again, I I'm not a player. I can't speak to that. All I can tell you is that Todd Bowles has always been a super soft spoken guy, and right now. That Tampa team looks like they have no fire. You're telling me that you dropping a pass in the third play of the game put you in a mental state where none of you could recover? What? (laughs) 
How, where is that's just, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Mind blowing to me. Team is, the team is lost. Um, they play the Ravens on Thursday night football. I'm absolutely taking the Ravens to win that game. And until they show otherwise, clearly any team in the NFL can be the Buccaneers. And that's no hyperbole at all whatsoever, because they just lost to two of the worst teams in how beat up the Steelers were last week and how bad the Carolina Panthers were brother. Carolina, I'm not going to say that they're actively tanking, but they just fired their head coach. They traded away their best offensive talent, and they're starting their third-string quarterback. Carolina... Technically fourth-string if you count Matt Corral's injury. That's very true. Carolina does not want to win games. The Panthers don't want to win games. And the Bucs not only lost to them, weren't even close. Ugh. Once that second half started, embarrassing, completely embarrassing. Let's move on. I'll give a 20 second shout out to the Panthers, two guys, PJ Walker and Deontay Foreman. Uh, you know, sometimes people laugh at when teams blow it up or rebuild and they write teams off. I wrote the Panthers off in this game. You forget that those two guys are playing for their, their careers and they went out and played like two guys that had everything to gain when everybody thought the Panthers had nothing to gain. So XFL legend, PJ shout Walker. out to the XFL legend, PJ Walker and shout out to Deontay Foreman, who will be the hottest name in fantasy this week. All right. Uh, so before, go we go, ahead, before we go on to our next game, <clears throat> got to paint the picture for people out there. Okay. Imagine this. All right. Your kickers lining up for an onside kick. Hey, the chances of regaining possession, very slim. Stakes are high, tensions even higher. Your pulse racing. The kick, you watch it, the ball lands. See, didn't that feel exciting? Okay. Now every single play can be that exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and they are unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet turn it into $200 in free bets if your team wins. You Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you could throw in stepped-up same-game parlays once per day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PFF. Get yourself $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place that $5 bet. Just place $5 on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using the promo code PFF. F. Then I forgot what our other ad reads is, so now I'm stalling. Oh yeah, it's our pals over at No House Advantage. Okay, No House Advantage. Look it up while I'll uh, keep talking. No, I got it. <laughs> there you go. There's the bingo. There's the bingo card. No House Advantage changing the game out there by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Pick, play in pickup contests versus other people for a shot at winning two hundred and fifty thousand cold ones in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, and earn points for correct picks by climbing the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test out your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on five player props, over-unders, or individual player matchups across every major sporting league, including NFL, and NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and even NASCAR. Sign up with the promo code STOCK, S-T-O-C-K, at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app store to get your first deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out No House Advantage today and experience all of the daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just about how you play. It's also where you play, and you guys won't want to miss out on this. All right, Connor, now where are we going? 
Where are we going? So we did. Can we talk Jets? Can we? Let's just talk Jets. Them? Okay, let's talk Jets. Jets big dub in Denver. Yeah, Sixteen five win nine. Jets. Five and two Jets. It's nuts. It's really nuts. God, you love to absolutely see it. Um, Connor, I'll let you go first. Go ahead, buddy. What do you think about this game? What's your big takeaway? So I'll do the one sad and the the one glad. Um, because I I think you know you have to say it. What unfortunately matters most in the sad is that Brees Hall is probably out for the year. And mm-hmm. Brees Hall is the most talented running back the Jets have had since Curtis Martin. Brees Hall is arguably their best football player, him or ABT, um, on the offensive side of the ball. And the Jets are the Jets are gonna have to figure out a lot before a big division game against New England because Brees Hall was the offense. And you got to get Elijah Moore back into the fold because I think the Jets need Elijah Moore, and I think Elijah Moore really needs the Jets. And they're gonna and Zach Wilson is gonna have to play better. So there's just that's the sad part is that Brees Hall, one of the most exciting rookies in the NFL this year, losing him that probably matters the most. What matters the most on the positive end is that the Jets quietly might have the best cornerback duo in the NFL, and I don't say that with hyperbole. Sauce Gardner. And DJ Reed really went out and won them this game. Is that crazy? The, the front four did not have the kind of day that they had against Green Bay where they were unblockable. They, they took a while to get going. Sauce Gardner had an 87.2 coverage grade. DJ Reed had an 86 coverage grade. Those are enormous numbers for PFF. They were targeted a combined 17 times. They allowed eight catches for around 50 yards. No touchdowns. They only gave up two total first downs. I mean, these guys just don't allow anything. Yeah. They both tackle. They play the ball in the air. Uh, they put their teammates in great positions. So the Jets are going to have some soul searching to do on offense. But good Lord, they have. And Trevor, here's what's crazy. I'm calling them maybe the best corner duo in the league or a top three corner duo in the league. DJ Reed is 25 years old. Sauce Gardner is 22. He just turned 22. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. I'll say that. It's good times. Good times, yeah. brother. Uh, also, you failed to shout out that um, my boy Nathan Shepard was the third highest defensive <laughs> Shepard, player. Right after I said he, you got to trade for Matt Ioannidis. Yeah, absolutely smoked, Connor. No, it's great. I mean, oh, you, you absolutely love to see what they're doing on defense. And you want to see that, right? Robert Sala is the defensive head coach. You're hoping that. His identity, again, like his, yeah, his his identity, his passion, his expertise, his everything really shows up on the defense side of the football. First and foremost is they're kind of, you know, still figuring out this young team and the young corners, man, they're stepping up. They're taking to the teaching and whatever they're doing, it's working. And that's a lot of fun. Anytime you have two incredible corners, you can really start changing the game with how you deal with pressure and how you deploy things, how you mess with quarterbacks, heads, everything, man. So I think that all, that's all on the table when you have two guys, um, like Reed and Sauce Garner. Unfortunately, man, I, I agree with your first point. The the what matters most from this game is that Brees Hall is probably done for the year. Because with him, that was clearly the identity of what they wanted this team to be. You and I have talked about like what yeah. Zach Wilson has been since coming back from his injury, and they haven't been asking him to do a ton, right? They've kind of been, I don't want to even say like easing him back into it. Like this was clearly the Jets' identity. This is what they wanted to do. It was, hey, we'll 
use Zach Wilson's big arm and his mobility and we'll get that involved, but it's not like they're totally leaning on the passing game. They were leaning on what Brees Hall was able to do for them in a lot of different facets. And um, before we started the podcast, I was like, Hey, you know, like Michael Carter's good. Like I like Michael Carter. And you said, yeah, Michael, Michael Carter's a good running back. So I think that he'll be serviceable for them, but it's not as explosive as Brees was, man. That's, 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 that's the toughest part here. That's the biggest takeaway. Um, I don't really have too big of takeaways for the Broncos, other than the fact that if they were trying to trade Jerry Judy, the price tag went up because he had a really great game or he had a really great week, uh, 11 targets, seven catches, 96 yards. I don't really know what you could expect with, Brett Rippon really other than what he already did, which was keep the game close. You know, like I saw people talking about Nathaniel Hackett, like during this game, like as if he's going to get fired and it's like, uh, what do you, what do you want him to do? I, the offense was a good when Russell Wilson was in there. So don't get me wrong. I understand that that's the case, but it just fe- seems weird timing. Like you don't need to tweet that this week. Brett Rippon's is quarterback and they don't have uh, anybody who could really do anything for them in the running game either. So they just they just have not figured it out on offense yet, and that's that's just where the Broncos are. Really great defense. Defense they, is amazing. Defense is amazing. an absolute three bed three bath house right now. No matter who they are playing against, but um, offense they can't get out of their own way. They have pitched touchdown shutouts through the air to Zach Wilson, Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, and Davis Mills. They allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to throw one against them, and they allowed Geno Smith to throw two. This team gives up nothing to quarterbacks. Nothing. He's Evero, man. He's, he's going to start getting head coach talks. He's young. He's young, yeah. but he's going to start getting head coach talks, their defense coordinator. If you're a Broncos fan, I don't know if that makes you feel good or annoyed because your defense is Super Bowl caliber. Super Bowl caliber. It is pretty crazy. Where I, maybe if Russ gets healthy and just finds himself again, this team gets hot. I really think their defense is that good. It's just It makes the offense part that more frustrating with this team. All right, we'll probably speed it up here for next couple of games. Um, Cowboys-Lions, big takeaway here from this one. Cowboys 24, Lions 6. Ugh, Lions 1-5 and five on the year. I believe the Lions' sole owners of the number one overall pick. Indeed, they are. As of right now, sole Good. owners are the that, number one overall pick in the NFL draft. They're in trouble if that happens over there. You just you can't be here. We go like right. Look at everything across the board, right? Big picture. We just finished talking about the Jets. Yeah, the Jets staff wise and the Lions staffs are on similar planes where it's you're, you you want to see improvement this year. I don't expect the Lions to win five games. I know the Giants have their the Lions have their limitations some places. What they're doing right now is. You're starting to wonder here, like, okay, are, are we actually improving? That's the, that is the tough part to swallow right now. I think five second half turnovers, they're dry, their drives in the second half, which they were, they were winning this game six to three because Dak, Dak returned for the Cowboys really didn't play that well. Dak was shaky. He had some moments, but I, yeah. Dak was still shaky in this game. You go to the second half, Lions are up six to three. They get the ball at half interception punt fumble interception fumble fumble those are all their drives in the second half it's It's just if if the if the coaching staff part isn't a takeaway which i think it really is for as much as we love dan campbell and i think that america wants the lions to be good 
they're in trouble here. They're this That's this the thing, whole, we want to love them. This whole coaching staff's in big trouble. Um Goff had zero big time throws, four turnover worthy plays, Ugh. 56.6 passing grade. I mean, he is clearly not it. If anyone was trying to sip the Kool-Aid of Jared Goff this year to say, hey, Lions got a top three pick. Maybe they could pick Will Anderson instead. You know, put Will Anderson on one side, Aiden Hutchinson on the other. Aiden Hutchinson had a sick spin move sack today, by the way. He got getting, going today. He's getting better. He's getting better. He got going today. But, like, there were some Lions fans who were like, oh, you know, maybe a little Jalen Carter, little Will Anderson. No. Stop. You're picking a quarterback. Choose which one you want. And they're good. They're Do good this year. Do you want Bryce Young? Do you want C.J. Stroud? You want to get cheeky with Will Levis? I don't care. Pick one of them. No, I, I care about that. Take you can't. The, take one of the good ones yeah, right now. We're, we're trying to come on, dude. Come on, Connor. We're trying to drum up the interest. We need the pod numbers are up. My family. I want the Lions to be really starting. <laughs> but that's kind of like where where I am right now. Is is the big takeaway? Um, Cowboys obviously got the win. That's that's important. Uh, Dak was able to kind of survive what was a shaky, what we think is a warm up performance from him. But this Lions, this Lions entire regime's in trouble. They're in big trouble now. They were scoring a lot of points to start the season. So even though they were bad, or even though they weren't winning games, they were still entertaining, right? They were still putting points on the board. Okay, defense, very cyclical. You're going to figure out defense. That offense, that's still great because they were, I think, a top-scoring team in the NFL three weeks in. Uh, they scored six points this week. Zero points in the second half, five turnovers in the second half. So that offense has now dropped like a rock, and – we're running out of ways to defend this Lions regime. So we are. That's on the Dallas side. I know Zeke got banged up in this game. Man, who does more with their touches than Tony Pollard? Man, when you sure. watch Tony Pollard's sure. awesome. Tony Pollard's going to be a free agent. They won't trade him. <laughs> That's why they won't trade him. And maybe they yeah. find a way to keep him. Uh, but he his contract is up after this year. Tony Pollard could really be a star in a featured role. And I, if Zeke's banged up and has to work through something, I hope, I hope Dallas just leans. If you really don't believe in a full workload for Tony Pollard, which it seems like they tell us every year, lean on him for a couple weeks and see what happens. Test it out. See what happens. See Dallas, what though, Dallas's defense, it's awesome. Good unit. I mean, Dan Quinn. unit. Dallas Dan is Quinn. for real. Good football that, coach. That's a vision, man. The NFC beast, dude. NFC beast. Who, who would have thought? <laughs> Not me. Want to talk about the Giants? Yeah, let's talk about the Giants next. Giants get the dub down in Jacksonville, twenty-three to seventeen. Giants six and one on the season. Holy shit! It's unbelievable. Jacksonville now two and five on the year. Connor, what was your what matters most here from the Giants win? What matters most is that the Giants deserve some freaking respect, dude. It's this is ridiculous. This is the line that pissed me off the most this week. The Giants were, and I know it was a close Tell game. Him. It came down to the last drive. Tell them. The Giants were three-point underdogs the entire week. This line didn't move. What like, what does Brian Dable need to do for the Giants where people actually care about this freaking team? It's obnoxious, and it's nothing against Jacksonville. I know traveling down to the Florida weather, the heat, Jacksonville is kind of on the ropes with the three-game skid they were on that included a loss to the Texans, where I guess the line was saying, we think Jacksonville's desperate. We think the Giants are maybe frauds, even though they're 5-1, and one, mm -hmm. and all these things. And the Giants go down there, and was it perfect? No. Was it 
always pretty? No. But this is the Giants all year. This is... The Giants know how to close out games. The Giants know how to play in the second half. And Daniel Jones, to his credit, when they needed a play, had a really, really big run in this game that kept a drive going. I think it was a 24-yard scramble. It was so he's, th he's throwing to no one. No one. Their line got beat up in this game. It's just when you look at it, the Giants are well-coached in every aspect of the game. And I don't understand why. I was doing it week three. I was like, this doesn't seem real with the Giants. What do you need to see? We are at Halloween, and the Giants are 6-1. and one, And you're making them three-point underdogs to a team that lost to the Texans two weeks ago. Good for the Giants. Maybe they'll finally get some respect. That's what matters most. We got a battle of the two biggest wins above expectation teams next week. Giants travel to Seattle. That's a that's, that's a great matchup. That's gonna be fun. I'm Imagine excited. Saying that in July, uh, I can't yeah. wait for Giants Seahawks. I, I can't can't believe. You know Smith versus Daniel Jones. I can't believe I'm saying it it's now, awesome. but you know what? I'm 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 in your camp, man. Um, it's awesome, dude. I, you want to know what the real what matters most is here from this game? I think Daniel Jones is probably the starting quarterback of this team next year. I really you do. Gotta figure it out, probably. Like unless something comes available where a, a really good veteran for whatever reason gets on the market and like like i'm just saying I, there's no evidence to this but like if aaron Rodgers is like yeah I'm, yeah i'm actually like kind of done and the giants are like yo we'll give you like two first round picks for him and the, the and the packers are like okay like that i don't something giants, weird you're saying Yes, Un unpredictable. the reason why I'm saying it is because not only are the Giants basically putting themselves out of range to draft a, a good quarterback in this oh, class. It's, they're out. They could not win another game, and they are out. Well, I mean, like, if, if they finish it at 8-8, eight and eight, maybe you get in the range of, like, maybe Will Levis lasts that long. Maybe you're drafting Tanner McKee in the first round. Like, depending on how they finish it. Right. I mean, like maybe handed hookers on the board. Who knows what things are going to look like in April, but you know what I'm saying? Like they're basically at the point where, and they have an easy schedule coming up. So this team's probably not going to be in range for a quarterback. Daniel Jones has been playing well, dude. He had over a hundred yards rushing this game. He had 200 <laughs> yards hilarious. passing. It's, it's just, I had a stat here. Where was it? Let me look it up. It was, uh, okay, here we go. Jags had the third best run defense in the NFL going into this game, giving up just 89.3 rush yards per game. Giants rushed for 236 yards, including Jones getting 107 and Barkley getting 110. The, they all count the same. This team, it goes back to what I said last week. The Giants don't care what you're good at. They don't. This is not a coaching staff that thinks that they have a vast array of talented players on both sides of the ball to where they can go, okay, we know what we do really well. Let's focus on where the other team is weakest and we'll attack them. The Giants go into every single week thinking we're going to play New York Giants football. We're going to put Daniel Jones in the best spot to succeed. We're going to put Saquon Barkley in the best spot to succeed. We're going to put this defense in the best spot to succeed. We're going to put our limited offensive passing weapons in the best spots to succeed. And you know what? If that's not good enough, so be it. But we're going to give that team our absolute strength at every single position. Yep. They're doing it every single week. 
And my God, is it fun to watch. My other, what matters most if we flip side to the Jaguars, I don't think the Jags are that bad, man. I know they're sitting there at two and five. I know Jags fans are pissed because it's like, oh man, when are we actually going to start winning? I'm, I'm tired of these like hollow wins. Like, oh cool, we got Trevor Lawrence. Like when's it actually going to turn into wins? I think it's coming, man. I really do. I think that next year is going to be a great year with Doug Peterson. They were so close to even winning this game here today. Getting them, that would have made them three and four on the season. They would have been right there close to 500. I think this Jags team is almost there. You need another year, Trevor Lawrence trying to figure it out. You need another really good offseason. And I, but I, you need Doug Peterson in the building for, for that full year. And I think they can be there. So that was also my takeaway from this one. I, I almost freaked out like mid mid recording. I just saw Tua lower his shoulder into a defender. I, Again? Because he did it earlier in the game. That I just I just saw no, I think no, he just did it a second time. I'm you're talking about the one I think in the to Devin, Devin Bush. Bush? Yes. No, 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 no. This was to a DB. Okay. Right, he's did well, it he's done it again. Well, at least he at least he did it with less pounds on him. Uh do you want to say anything else about Giants Jags or we moving on? Uh, shout out to Kayvon Thibodeau for tr- chasing down Travis Etienne Ooh, like yeah. 50 yards down the field. Just yeah. insane. But I, I know we're, uh, we're we're creating a marathon so we can move on. All right, Colts-Titans. What do you got here? Colts or uh, Titans get the get the dub 19-10. to 10. They absolutely own the Colts now in this rivalry. Um, Titans are now 4-2 and two on the season. Colts 3-3-1. Three, three and one. What do you think? Yeah, transparency, a game that out of all of the games today, I probably saw the least of uh, due to work constraints. And sorry, sometimes the totem pole just lines up a certain way and Colts mm-hmm. Titans, you know. But from what I did see, and obviously more importantly, the results right now, the Titans somehow are back in control of this division. Jacksonville is sputtered out of control. This division stinks, man. This division stinks. It's, it's back to the, the Texans are bad but no one's surprised by that they're rebuilding the colts i just cannot get jonathan they can't play the way they want to play no that's the issue right that okay is so that's the, what's matters yeah. most of the colts like i yeah. just kind of leaked it out right they can't play the way the way they want to play and that's just problematic going forward and has been but the titans are probably going to grind out a crappy division and make the playoffs because yep. of it and and they have a lot of questions to answer themselves before they get there. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of this game either because, unfortunately, this is just the truth of the matter. Neither of these teams are very dynamic, so they weren't on red zone very often. And they were not a local team that I was watching, so I didn't have a stream up on them. Uh, you know, when I look at the Titans, I can say it kind of similar to the New York Giants. They're a team that's going to take after their head coach. We know that Mike Vrabel is going to have this team really well coached every single week. It's just it's not going to be one that's fancy. It's not going to confuse you. They're going to run their entire offense through Derrick Henry. If he gets over hundred yards, they got a chance to win every week. The defense are going to yep. play really well. Got a handful of, got their uh, key turnovers. They got in the backfield. No, they had three sacks. No, Jeffrey Simmons had a big one as well, but yeah, the Colts, you're right. They're, they're a team that can't do what they want to do. The offensive line is not blocking well enough for them to set up the run game for Jonathan Taylor to go off. And Matt Ryan's not able to hit deep down the field. So uh, it's just, they're, 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 they're kind of at a loss of the identity that they want to be as a team. And that's the opposite of the Titans. That's what the big difference maker was here. You brought up the Texans. We can go to the Texans game next. Uh, Texans fell to the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders look good in this one. 38 to 20 was the final score. What's your, what's your, what matters most from this game? What matters most to me is I just, every time I watch the Raiders play and play productively this way, 
I cannot believe we've gotten here with Josh Jacobs. That he was playing so deep into the Hall of Fame game, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Nobody it's cared, funny, isn't it? And now he's the he's the engine to their offense. Their mm-hmm. entire comfortable identity runs through jo- Josh Jacobs. It, it does. does. Yes. Which, when they hired Josh McDaniels, the first thing that came to my brain was not him working with Derek Carr. They didn't have Devontae Adams yet. Not any of those things. My thought was, the way New England plays, this is going to work out really well for Josh Jacobs. They are going to be a north-south, running first, running second physical football team. And I think Josh Jacobs fits exactly what McDaniels wants to do and then when I saw him playing deep into the Hall of Fame game after they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, I'm like, why do they hate this guy? What's go- what is going on? What am I not seeing? What are we not seeing? And right. now we've gone full circle in the middle of October where the Raiders now have won two games, two and one at home, trying to get their season back on track, and I think they've found the way to do it. This is, this is the exact way that the Raiders want to play a football game, okay? Leaning heavily on Josh Jacobs. Jacob's delivering, getting more than 20 carries over 100 yards. Derek Carr playing well enough for you, not making him pass to win the entire game, but when he is passing the ball, passing offense is clearly going through Devontae Adams first and foremost, but then you've got Hunter Renfro in those key third down situations. It felt, it just felt like this was the prototypical Raiders game. If they're going to win football games, this is this felt like the identity with them setting it up on the ground. I'll say what matters most on the flip side. You know, I really don't think the Texans are that bad. I don't. They're just not that talented. When I watch these two teams play, play. when I watch these two teams play, I thought that these were two well-coached teams from what I from what I saw in the game. These are two well-coached teams. One is just clearly more talented than the other. One has a lot more talent. One of them has veteran presence on the team. The other one is so young. Another what matters most is. The Texans got the Texans got to try to trade Brandon Cooks, man. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is about to be thirty years old. If you look up his contract, it's absolutely abysmal. That's what I'm going to do right now. He is nine million on the cap this year, and then it shoots to twenty six and twenty four mil in the next two years. Oof. Like Ugh. that money can absolutely be restructured, and I think that Brandon Cooks can still be a really good wide receiver. But he's going to be thirty next year. He's not exactly going to line up he's not going to line up with the Texans winning window because in order for cooks to line up with their winning window, they would have to add some years onto his contract to try to restructure that money to get all that cap off. So it's not debilitating for them to make the, to, to continue to build the roster. And then you're looking at him being 32, 33 years old by the time the Texans are really competing. How much is he really helping you? I don't think a ton, but I think he could definitely help a contender over the next couple of years. So if somebody trades for him, Albeit, you probably wouldn't have to give up that heavy of a price because you know that you're going to have to tack on a year or two on his contract to extend him to be able to move the money around. That, I think, can be advantageous for a team that's looking to uh, to add a nice wide receiver weapon. So I don't think the Texans are a bad team. They're clearly not there yet. They're trying to acquire more talent. I think they should trade Brandon Cooks. I think so, too. I think they kept him because they wanted to fairly evaluate Davis Mills yeah, to that's start fine. the season, which that's is fine. fine. There's nothing trade wrong with that. Trade him now. Trade him yeah, now you, can, now you can trade him. Okay, Seattle Chargers. Yes. Per- Seattle wins 37-23. Yep. Seattle now holds whole possession of first place. Let's and that's go, division, baby. Just like we all thought. What matters most to me is that I think, unfortunately, with Brees Hall's injury, I think Kenneth Walker is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And <sighs> Looks like a stud, dude. Look, I mean, 
he looks amazing. He's everything Seattle hoped for and wanted when they drafted him and wanted to feature him. Yep. They they were going to feature him even if Penny stayed healthy. It was just a matter of when, not if. And Gino has been playing efficient football, but I just... Kenneth Walker is going to be one of the hardest running backs in the league to stop, and as long as that happens, Seattle is going to be competitive the entire year. I'm looking at... I, I, I thought I just, a fly flew by you or something. I'm I'm looking at PFF Ultimate because I'm looking at the Seahawks defensive players. Ryan Neal, their safety, has an initial PFF grade of 94.1, which is absurd, and a 92.2 coverage grade across 56 coverage snaps. That's insane. He pay, played 56 snaps in coverage, and we gave him a 92.2? He broke up four passes. And he, yeah amazing wow wow puna ford 89.5 grade puna. 82.8 the big rig he just sits in the middle dude baby. Crazy. uh my uh my one thing that matters most from this game is uh did the seahawks have the best draft connor this is insane you charles cross and abraham lucas have played 100 of the snaps as the team starting left tackle and right tackle it's them or the Jets. Tariq Woolen is a contender for defensive rookie of the year. Kenneth Walker, you mentioned now with Brees Hall down, is a absolute front runner for offensive rookie of the year. Yep. Kobe Bryant looks good. Boy, a Mafe is flashed a little. Tariq, bit. did you say Woolen? I said, yeah, I said Tariq Woolen. I can't forget about Tariq. It's Woolen. you're right. It's it's wow. It's deep. This I. I liked the Seahawks draft. I thought the Walker pick was a little odd. Didn't love the Lucas pick at the time. Tariq Woolen was a complete flyer for me. I did not think he was yep. going to make an impact in year one. And holy cow, the Sea we might look back on this draft and be like, the Seahawks absolutely killed it. If you find your starting two offensive tackles for the next five years in one draft, Connor, let alone the guy who could be a major secondary piece for you, a good pass rusher, and the offensive identity for this team, unreal draft unreal draft so far for the seattle seahawks so that was my one takeaway i'm with you all the way you have anything on the chargers because they are a team that Not man really. no it, it's just it's just a little uninspiring right now even at yep. four and three yep herbert has i think there's some limitations in this offense that are holding back herbert but i also mm -hmm. think herbert hasn't been the star that we thought he'd be this year he's been good he's hurt He's, hurt. he's he is very banged he's up. Hurt. He's he's hurt. very banged up. So, man, I, I just I don't think the Chargers are a real threat right now. I don't. No, and they they got slaughtered by injuries. Yeah. Everyone everyone is right now. Let me be fair, but they they got hit early. Um, let's let I want to make sure we get every game in here. Let, let's talk Chiefs Niners. Okay, and then we can close it out with some quick. If you want some quick Sunday Night Football, though it's still going on and it's still close. Ah, uh, it's crazy. So, Mahomes throws for over 400 yards. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of reminiscent. Uh, and McCaffrey's not up to speed. He got eight carries in this game. He was tar he got two he had two catches on four targets. He's gonna get a bigger workload than that. Kittle was awesome again. Back to back dominant weeks of Kittle. I just it's boring and it's lame. But like, the Niners are just limited with Jimmy. They're just in. What matters most to me is everybody kind of went nuts of why did they trade all those picks to try to go up and get Trey Lance when they just go back to Jimmy? And I know it's Trey got hurt, but 
Drake couldn't, Drake couldn't win the job last year. This is why they tried, why they swung for the fences. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, as solid as Jimmy can be, you're just limited with him. You're just you're limited with him as great coaching you have around you, great talent you have around you. Where you look across the way at the Chiefs and you see exactly what it takes to win these big games. Sometimes you need to put it on the shoulders of your franchise quarterback. And that is sadly the difference of these two teams. And it's been that way since they ran into each other in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't disagree with that. I, I don't I don't fault them for taking a swing at the fence. And, you know, even when you look at the McCaffrey deal, the 49ers are a team that made the playoffs last year, made it pretty far, made it far, could have been close to the Super Bowl when you really think about it. Um, really a play away an interception away from what could have been what sealed it for them to make it back to the Super Bowl. And that was while not being super dynamic at quarterback. They know they're a team that's already there. They looked at how well their defense is playing this year and they said, okay, we, we've got a chance. Look, did they overpay for Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, they absolutely did. Is their team more talented now because they have Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, it is. Like th- those those two things can absolutely exist. They paid more for him, but that's often what teams have to do when they're in a winning window. They're a team that's going to run the football. They're going to use their running backs a lot, whether it is as ball carriers out of the backfield or as pass catchers out of the backfield. It's just what's going to happen. So they got a really, really talented player doing that. Maybe the most talented player doing that in the NFL. And Connor, they just ran into an absolute locomotive today. And you locomotive. know what? My biggest takeaway, Andy Reid, I mean, Andy Reid's, the fastball. Andy Reid's the best until he's not, right? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. my take. My takeaway is Andy Reid is the best until he's not. You looked at this game. They had an interception on their very first drive, and then they had touchdowns. And no, no, no. Okay, so I got to set it up like this. Interception after the first drive. And then their next eight drives, they got into scoring position. Seven of them were touchdowns. That's the efficient, the conversion rate's insane. The only one that wasn't was a missed field goal at the end. This is the best third down team in the NFL. They are over 60% conversion rate now on third downs because of the unbelievable day that they had today. This offense, I'm looking at the stats now. Juju Smith-Schuster. Eight targets, seven catches, 124 and a touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three three catches, 111 yards. Travis Kelsey, six catches, 98 yards. They're even out here using Miko Hardman with Hell two yeah, rushing touchdowns on two jet, jet sweeps that were beautifully executed. He had three touchdowns today. Three touchdowns today. Four catches, 32 yards, and an extra touchdown in the air. This team, that my big takeaway is, is that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are when it yeah when it comes to scoring, I think they're the best until they're not. And I I'm I'm not that I'm not naive to completely forget about the Bills game. I don't want people to sure. I don't want people to be like, dude, they just lost to the Bills not too long ago. I I remember this. I remember that this happened. But these two teams are absolutely the back and forth two teams, man. They went up against one of the best defenses in the NFL in the San Francisco 49ers on the road and and absolutely smoked them. 
I can't wait to see Chiefs Bills again. It yep. better be for the AFC Championship. It's going to be one of the highest rated football games we have ever seen. I already can't wait for the rematch. That to me, actually, that's my biggest takeaway from this game. I already can't wait for the AFC Championship rematch between the Bills and the Chiefs because Chiefs look like they can only be stopped by one team, and it's good, and it's potentially that team in Buffalo. So I can't wait for it. I'm with you, I, and I will close the book saying I think the Niners are going to be okay. Uh, like you said, I think they just kind of ran to a buzzsaw today. I think McCaffrey is going to give them some life. I think Jimmy will do enough. That they're going to win a lot of games down the stretch this season. That defense is going to be really good when it's healthy, too. But, man, you just – in this league, in the big games, when you see guys go shot for shot, it's it helps to have Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like, it's stupid and silly and cliche, but it, you this is the pinnacle example. We got four minutes and 46 seconds left in this Steelers-Dolphins game. Steelers have the ball. Dolphins still up 16 to 10. George Pickens, six targets, six catches, 61 yards and a touchdown. My guy. Who could have seen that coming? Crazy. Apparently he was like viciously waving off the kicking team to stay on the field. I need to find it. It was when we were like deep in recording and I just saw somebody tweet about it. Team team definitely looked a lot different when, especially in the first half, from what I saw since we started recording this podcast. But team looked a whole lot different with Tua back at quarterback. Man, yeah. just looked like they had way more juice. Uh, that Mike McDaniel was willing to totally open things up to get his best receivers the ball. So I don't know. That's that's kind of what I saw before we uh, before we turned the mics on. I think what I'll say what matters most, no matter the outcome of this game, is that Pickett and Pickens should be the identity of the Pittsburgh Steelers for the next 10 years. And Ten? Get, come on. Yeah, come you're right. Ten, you can't on. say that anymore in the you NFL. No, no. Five. No. Can I say five? I'll give you, I'll give you five. They're contracts, you. basically. Sure. I'll, I'll give you five. I'll give five. You. Yeah, 10 is... You can't even you can't say that anywhere anymore. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady's going to play for another 10 years, but... Well, I'll tell you why. I do, obviously, a lot of Mets baseball and I Lindor's on a 10-year deal so I find myself well baseball yeah right baseball is different baseball I know it's a bad habit 10 years and it can uh and it can actually be be a thing but people have a bad habit I think of doing that in the NFL and it's like dude it's like who's around for 10 years nobody Elijah Moore requested a trade week six of the (laughs) second season and the team was winning the team's on a three-game win streak now four welcome back Elijah Moore this week to practice we need you tough look that's we need you. Corey Davis is hurt. Brees Hall is hurt. Oh, that's what this matters. is the delirious part of the night. That's uh, that's what matters most. I, I always forget, like, people start their days with this show, and this is how you and I end our Mayhem Sunday. So they're yeah, probably listening, and they're like, what is up with these guys? That's probably that's what listening. they like, though. We're running on fumes. Yes. They're running we on We are running on running fumes, but we, we do our best to deliver the best. Why would this game runs out, Trevor? Uh, prediction for tonight's game, Bears-Patriots. Well, uh, I am still in a survivor pool. Aren't you like the last one, one of two? It has been me and one other person since week three. Oh my God. So for four straight weeks, it's me and this one other person going head up. They picked the Buccaneers and I picked the Patriots. So the Bucs lost and obviously the patriots play on monday night football so the patriots win 
your boy wins a lot of money. So I'm going to say that the Patriots are going to win 35 to absolutely nothing. Zero. Zilch. Pass. Killing them. That's what I think. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with, I think New England takes care of business. One of my favorite bets this week was New England first half spread was minus four and a half. I, I always worry about the back end because Fields might start running. Fields has looked a lot better in second halves. He just, he gets, he settles in and starts making plays where the first half there's been nothing there. So I'm with you. I think New England takes care of business. I, I like them tomorrow as well. Um, you know, it's, it, and they, they've really looked like a different team the last couple of weeks here as well so they're getting their season back on track mac expect to start steelers still have the ball with three minutes left where are they right now let me see oh close. oh we're there in the red wow i'm I mean, not we... standing on for it i need to we need to no. end this podcast so i can watch it all right everybody that's uh that's the that's the monday show we will be back for you with you or for you both actually on we're wednesday for, for the stock watch update we're going to turn back the clock to saturday we're going to look at all the great college football performances in relation to the 2023 nfl draft and tell you whose stock is soaring i'm trevor sycamore that's connor rogers thank you so much for listening to the nfl stock exchange we will see you guys on wednesday